Welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. This podcast started with me just kind of interviewing my friends, and now we're at a point where I'm interviewing people who inspire me. Every week you are going to hear how someone else identifies with the feeling of not fitting in and success. So let's just hop into the episode and thank you for all of your continued support. Listeners, I just wanted to talk about something cool that I've been doing virtually in the Panini. But if you're in Wilton Manors, Florida, you can go. Or if you're in Florida, you can go to this live. Um, it's $7. It's called Caption That. It features Nicole Hollowell, who is a well-known drag queen in Florida, and two other drag queens. And virtually, you can type in your comments and respond. So the whole premise of the show is that it's 21 photos and the queens give their best caption and you vote on them. It's virtual, it's amazing. It's also in person if you wanna be in the audience and then you can still join in, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've been playing it for the last month and honestly, it is the highlight of my week, in addition to drag queen being with truck hides, you know. Um, anyway, go to www.dragqueengameshow.com and get your free virtual ticket. I hope to see you there. Look for Bianca W in the comments. This week's episode features Juicy Garland, an inspiring drag queen in the Boston area. This one's so much fun. I'm so excited to share it, and I hope that you enjoy it. So let's go. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm awesome. How are you doing? I am doing so good, and I'm like so happy I'm talking to you on not a Sunday. Indeed. It's Indeed. this is a rare occurrence for us to be talking in the middle of a week. I know, right? And um I'm so happy it's Friday at the time of recording this, but to my listeners, this is please don't kick me out. And the lovely beautiful voice you're hearing on the other end of this uh conversation is Juicy Garland. So Juicy, would you like to give your 30,000 foot overview of who you are, what you do, etc.? Yeah, so I am an irreverent Boston area drag queen. In addition to that, I also have a nine to five professional life, uh, managing quality systems for medical devices. Mm -hmm. And my busy, complicated life makes me crazy. <laughs> and I mean, there's just so many things that beautiful things I can say about you, but we met, of course, I'm so sorry, listeners, you're so sick of hearing about this, but you're drag <laughs> bingo with Charlie Hydes. Um, and uh, Juicy has always been, I think, a, a fan favorite of everyone who plays the USA bingo. I speak for a lot of people when I say, I literally am on pins and needles until I see what look you're going to come up with every week with a theme. <laughs> um, and of course, if my listeners are new to the game, we of course played this thing called drag bingo with it's isolation bingo with charlie hides you can get your tickets at dragqueen.bingo i'm not sponsored but i would love you if you sponsor me charlie thank you and uh yeah so we play every sunday and um and you always dress up and to the mm -hmm. theme and it's always amazing and honestly when i started talking to you outside of it i really had no idea that you were newer into drag and newer into performing um yeah, i thought you would yeah. have been a queen forever because your name is just so iconic. I was like, who had, like, who's not thought of this? Like, it's so good. Well, I will say I've always been a queen in my heart. You can ask anyone who's ever been annoyed by me, but yeah. <laughs> so I started doing drag uh, sort of in a cursory level, maybe two and a half years ago or so when I was inspired by a good friend of mine who'd been doing it for a long time. And I thought, well, if she can do it and be mediocre, I can do it and be better than mediocre. So I started really pushing myself to practice with makeup and learn how to put a look together and eventually learn to sew. Yeah, and, and that's the cool thing I think like is that every week um, you make a garment um, and you're just like, it's always so cool to see what you come up with because you, you find things that are really shape flattering and you, you find looks that are very um, vintage inspired. You always find a way to like make it almost look like the 1950s met like the 1980s or like you, you just always are thinking outside the box, which is like something I so appreciate. Yeah, well, I really love a strong silhouette. Yeah. And I think the 40s in particular and the 50s have very strong silhouettes that I love. And the 80s brings in an element of sort of 
pseudo futuristic geometric shapes mm -hmm. that you can throw in there and really blend them together to get the kind of look that I love. Yeah, and I love that. And I and I like I just all the dresses like are things I was I would 100% wear. I'm like I would wear that and I would wear that and I would wear that. But also I think it's cool that we play this um with Charlie Hydes from season 9 of RuPaul's Drag Race yes. because um something I learned when I interviewed Charlie on my podcast to my listeners if you're new to the game, please listen to that episode. Um in addition, uh is that uh Charlie, you know, has a a, a, a technical background in it, went to school for it, and um all of her looks were handmade are handmade by her mm -hmm. from, you know everything you know she 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 just has such attention to detail and so when i can see when i see a queen who can has has strong sewing ability and strong sewing um knowledge and just like challenges himself each week to do something and the time frame that you're doing it i mean you like you you're you're basically in the workroom at rupaul's drag race you can turn <laughs> you can turn a look honey I've been there for a dang year almost at this point. Yeah. I just, I'm the kind of person who really needs a creative outlet. Mm -hmm. I stress myself out like crazy doing sort of rote boring things all day with my day job. But when I'm out of that, I really need the kind of mental exercise to get those creative juices flowing. If I didn't have that, I'd be bananas. Yeah. And with the pandemic and isolation, being at home every single day in the same exact room at the mm -hmm. same exact desk, both in and out of work, I, I would go crazy without that kind of mental exercise. So that's yeah. something that has really driven me to drive myself in a way. And yeah. that's why I've been able to do this sort of drag race workroom thing for almost a year. Yeah, I love it. And and in this panorama, panini, pepperoni, pizza, whatever you want to call this pandemic. Paella. Paella. I'm sick of calling it a pandemic. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to giggle every time I call it a panini. It's fine. Um, you know, I, I think like the more things we can do to be creative and think outside the box, especially while we're all, we are all like, at least if you're a smart a smart person you're yearning for safety and you're but you're also yearning for that connection and uh something that uh this drag bingo that we play together has really done for us um yeah. has has just brought us the sense of community and family um you yes. know you know for us like you and i and my friend kara and jeremy who are longtime friends of mine and your friend elty and you know my friends carissa and ashley like we always join a zoom afterwards now that's like our new thing mm -hmm. we do we, we recap and then you know we go about our nights and we go about our work week and we feel like uplifted going into whatever that week is going to be um i i honestly if it weren't for sundays this deployment for me would have been just not not good yeah. <laughs> so i measure i measure my weeks left in in terms of uh theme themes so i'm like lady in red okay we got this let's keep going um but yeah i agree with you like uh finding these outlets in this time is just so important and um making sure that like you don't basically dread your workspace or dread your um your house even i was such a i don't know about you but i was such a i would go out all the time and you know i'd, I'd stack my weekends and my plans and stuff and keep myself busy as an escapism mm -hmm. away from my corporate job when i was working um and then when i lost my job and i was forced to be in my house i had a hard time adjusting to it at first yeah, that actually happened to me too. So I was laid off back in November of 2019. Mm -hmm. And it took me a few months to find another job very mercifully just before the pandemic really hit. But I have been in my home almost every single day for almost a year and a half at this point. Yeah. And just recently, I finally started to crack at being in the same office every day. And I just had to move myself into even a different room of the house mm -hmm. just to be able to have some sort of variation in my routine. Yeah. It, yeah, it's been going on so long. It's starting to get to me a little bit. Yeah. And I, my, my silly butt didn't realize that I could play drag bingo on my TV. Like I just found uh -huh. that. I found, I found that out last week. Carissa, who is, who's like, you know, she's a good friend of mine. She told me to do it. And it was like, it bingo was just starting two weeks ago like when mm -hmm. and she was like we could try playing it on the tv and i'm like thinking like girl i am not moving how am i gonna set it up oh my god what if we miss something i want to i want to do the ymca like <laughs> you know like I, I i was like i was like next week next week we'll figure it out so ashley and i like demoed it like during uk bingo because yeah. you can play uk and or us or both and i've played both we've been playing both just because we're that um hard up for human connection <laughs> uh, so Excuse me. So, wow. So, excuse me. 
Um, so, uh, so I, we tried it out and we couldn't figure out how to get the volume to work. And we were really? like, well, but, but then, but then we tried it again by trying to like watch, um, an episode of something through my computer yeah. and we figured it out. And I was like, are we, are we like not smart? Like, is this, it should be easy, right? It should just stream figured it out. And so now we're set to actually play in my living room, which poor Carissa, she was sitting on my ottoman. Ashley was sitting in my husband's gaming chair. I'm sitting in my, in my thing. Like I, I, I recently, we got a, a, a keyboard to actually stand alone to thankfully magic keyboard so we can type um, and a magic mouse. So I have these things at least, but um, now we're set up in a way that everyone has a seat that they're comfortable in and can actually be on camera. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I think I think we're gonna start playing from the from the living room. But um, but but that to me is kind of like to your point, like sometimes you just need a change of scenery. Yes, and just switch up the routine just to keep things interesting and a little less sort of psychologically predictable. Yeah, yeah. So so this weekend is Valentine's Day um, mm -hmm. as, at, at the time of recording this, and uh, uh, Ashley is my Valentine, obviously. Um, because, because she and I don't have our spouses here, which is no big deal. She right. and I are planning to do, um, Buca de Beppo, Love a Chain restaurant. Um, they are doing a $59.99, <laughs> two, two, two for like two, two, or sorry, three course meal or something, four course meal, mm -hmm. um, for two. And it, there's a heart shaped lasagna. Oh God. That's <laughs> and, amazing. Uh, and we're like, you know what? We're going to do this. Um, and we are not going to regret it at all. There's going to be garlic bread and that's my love language and let's do it. So Excellent. we're doing that. Um, I'm making a very fancy cheese plate for UK bingo, like mm -hmm. the fanciest. Like I ordered every fancy cheese off of Amazon fresh. I could find. And <laughs> I, Fantastic. I, have, I have, we've got bloody Mary's going. Um, you know, I only, she's, we're going to have Prosecco flowing. Like we're just going to like have a good day. Cause she's spending the night because the next day is president's day. So she can spend the night, um, in my guest room. So, so yeah, like we're really like, we've been looking forward to this, like for a month and a half. We're like, yes, like, awesome. we're doing this. So what are, what are your plans for Valentine's Day? So my plans just totally revolve around drag bingo. Uh, my partner and I, we don't generally care much about Valentine's Day. Um, we would have, if we could go to restaurants at right, this point, we right. would have gone out for dinner just because I accidentally proposed on Valentine's Day in 2019. Oops. And uh, we would have repeated dinner there again. But oh, unfortunately, that's, that's not an option. So I'm just going to dress up like a woman and play some bingo. <laughs> does your partner play or is it just your no thing? no he doesn't I do yeah and then sometimes your mom plays you and mm -hmm. then your, be your best friend Elsie always plays yes uh, she plays and now a lot her partner of... is super into it too yes which yep. is a good good judge of character if you can't hang with drag bingo I don't want to date you my husband loves it he misses it he asks about Charlie all the time he's like how's Charlie and how's like the gang like how's bingo like he he knows when bingo is too so he won't yeah. call me until it's done like it, it's it's become an odd little touchstone for mm -hmm. not only my week but just keeping social and having made some friends like you yeah just just by being able to like go to a place and have that gathering and really have sort of this communal effort right I and love I love it, it. Yeah. I love it so much and I mean like you know I know if I know probably Charlie's the busiest busiest lady in show business right now and in, in terms of people <laughs> we know but if she is listening you know we are forever grateful this is something that's really really been a bright spot for so, so many of us. Um, and it, I, it, I have to keep repeating it because I think, um, you know, I know, I understand that drag culture and, and, you know, it, it's not for everyone, but it, if you were a weird kid like me, um, it's everything. And yeah. so it just really, it just makes me feel like I'm home and I'm with all of my misfit friends and you just feel, you just feel connected. Yeah. Yeah. And we all really need that these days. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. yes um and we are interviewing on a friday so um you know it is drag race friday yes um and i <laughs> sad because i i have to like make things and like, we were talking about things you look forward to during the week mm -hmm. i found i found things to do during the week that have like filled my gaps so i keep like keep it consistent but um i'm gonna be real sad when there's no new episodes well i i i will be sad too although i am usually so busy with sewing Oh, like pattern design, uh, actual preparation, the making mm -hmm. of garments, things like that, that I almost have no time for it. Uh, so it, I will miss it when it's gone, but I'm glad that it's here for now. Yes. And before we hop into these questions, I do have yeah. to ask, 
if you were on RuPaul's Drag Race, what, what would your Snatch Game character be? I have thought about that a lot. I think it would be Catherine Hepburn, Ooh. but not like old shaky Catherine Hepburn because the jokes you make there are are mean to Catherine Hepburn in a way I don't like. I would want to do young saucy Catherine Hepburn mm, love because it. there's nothing I love more than her madcap like comedy characters mm -hmm. like uh, her in, oh my God, I'm going to have a brain fart. Uh, bringing up baby where she's this like insane wealthy woman who drags this poor archaeologist to her wealthy aunt's house with a leopard it's just insane yeah. and the moments in that movie the character moments that she has are things that I really love and I would want to do my take on that yeah I I would have done uh, Little Edie Beale from Grey Gardens, but Jinx Monsoon already did an amazing job yeah. at that. So I would only be compared to her. I couldn't do that, but I love Edie Beale. Yeah, for me, I would be uh, Guy Fieri. I mean, it's a no brainer. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> that tracks, that tracks. That <laughs> um, I only gave it like, actually I had a, I had a guest um, that asked me like, what would your Snatch Game character be? And I, I didn't even, I never, I never even thought about it, who I would mm. be. And I, I was like, oh, duh, I would be this person. And he was like, you didn't even think about that. That just came out. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. I mean, you have taken so many opportunities to dress up like Guy Fieri. I oh, would be surprised if you did it. Yes. The fact that I can get into Guy Fieri cosplay in less than 15 minutes, I would win so many challenges. Impressive. Fast challenges. Yeah, no, there's not a drag race for me. Sorry, but uh, there's there's no career for that in my future. But anyway, yeah. um, I, I love talking to you. You are one of my favorite people I've met in the pan Demi Lovato. So I'm very excited to hop into this interview with you. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we're going to start with the first question. Okay. Um, which is, do you feel like you have it all figured out? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, the only people who think they have it all figured out are the people who have it the least figured out. It's yes. that magic Dunning-Kruger <laughs> uh, syndrome, right? Where like once you start to know something, you realize you know nothing. And every single time I try to do something better, I realize how much better I could be. Mm, yes. And like that totally plays into imposter syndrome and like that feeling of like, mm -hmm. oh shoot, like everyone around me in this room is like smarter than me, better than me, all these things. It sucks yeah. because um, I don't think that this was ever like how anyone was supposed to feel, but I think society just like gives these norms like white picket fence, 2.5 kids, this, that, and the other. And there's something within our generation we're realizing is that this doesn't make sense anymore because we can't do it. Like, <laughs> And I think there's so much access to these crafted versions of ourselves we all put into social mm -hmm. media and we are constantly bombarded by those images of all these people we know or even people we don't know who are projecting this idealized version of themselves yes. and you never have a window into the normal life of a person you see at a distance right it's all the perfect version of themselves right. and that's all you can compare yourself with before social media were a massive thing all we could compare ourselves with were the people who lived next door or people we saw on TV. And it was a lot easier to separate out what was that artificial persona of a celebrity in Hollywood, say, and Larry who lives next door. Because you could see Larry in his bad moments and you knew he wasn't perfect. But now we just are constantly like embedded in this world where those perfect images are thrown at us. Yeah. And I think it does a thing to a person's self-confidence and mm -hmm. sense of self-worth because you know you're not perfect. Yeah. So why are you not as perfect as those people? Right. And, and I can only imagine the amount of pressure that, that the, you know, celebrities or people who are influencers and all of that are under to try yeah. and maintain that image and try and keep that image. Um, you know, I, I personally believe that everyone, especially with social media, everyone is showing their highlight reel, like no one's showing the bloopers or the outtakes. And when they are, like when celebrities do that, we're like, whoa, no makeup. Wow. Like, I don't, I don't do that. But you know, like the media does, yeah. they eat it up, they eat it up. But I think like something that's pretty beautiful is that um, we are demanding now um, the younger generation coming to and, you know, obviously, you know, 
uh, we are we are basically demanding this pull for authenticity because we're sick of the bullshit. Like we don't want to. Like I think that that is something that we are honestly doing. Um, I know personally, I seek out vulnerability and I seek out accountability mm. and I seek out authenticity. Like I I don't like to follow people who feel fake. Yeah. Um, I don't like to, uh, I'm very, I guess, I don't know, I guess maybe I'm very millennial in that sense that I just, I really don't, I don't believe that I want to keep things in my feed that make me feel bad about myself anymore. You know, there's, I, I I'm, I'm striving way less for things. Cause I'm like, well, you know what, my life is whatever. And maybe it's coming into my thirties and realizing like, mm-hmm. oh, like your twenties were trash. And like, you don't know much more in your thirties, but you know what? No one, no one cares. Like it doesn't really matter has kind of been helpful to me. And also being able to just be myself these days, like that's really nice too. Like I don't, I I haven't had to worry about my image or how I make someone look or how I can help someone achieve something. I haven't had to think about that in over a year. It's been nice. Yeah. I, I think too, you touched on something important, which is that with maturity comes the ability to parse out like the foibles of other people mm-hmm. in a way that allows you the personal mental space to recognize that everyone is flawed. Yeah. And in that, I think one can find comfort knowing that no one really knows what they're doing. And it's all a matter of like grace and poise and how we deal with that fact. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And this lends so perfectly, like it dovetails so perfectly into um, the next question, which um, is of course like, I always ask my guests what their de- definition of imposter syndrome is. So I'm just going to ask the question verbatim. It's a very mm-hmm. long question. So strap in. Do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? <sighs> okay. Wait. So say the first part again. Okay. We'll start with the first part. Do you yes. feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome? So I... It depends. So if we're talking about drag, I don't feel like I fit in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Partly because I think established drag communities are tough nuts to crack. And I haven't had a lot of opportunity to get myself on a stage and prove myself. Although, fortunately, having drag bingo as a platform to put myself out there has given me the space to, I think and hope, really find a footing within the Boston area drag community and eventually get on a stage with those people who I think are so talented. Um, I have absolutely, absolutely suffered from imposter syndrome. Uh, And I still feel some of that to this day. I think we all do on some level. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that what you've touched on is pretty beautiful and and uh i i you know i'm not a drag queen i'm not a performer mm-hmm. but i can understand how if you're just starting it and you're just trying to like make your way in there i mean they, these figureheads in your community are going to feel so like whoa like so big and, and and so you know epic and i'm i'm friends with a lot of local drag queens in san diego um my mm-hmm. main my main bitch is uh mm-hmm. courtney who is a black trans female. She goes by Strawberry Corn Cakes. She did a private drag performance for my birthday. She's incredible. Strawberry Corn Cakes? Oh my God. Oh, she's, that's so she's, precious. She's, she is incredible. Um, she just actually um, was hospitalized for COVID and, and thankfully she's oh. on the mend. Oh, good. Um, and it, she, she, she was self-isolating and I don't, we don't know how she got it. I mean, it, it's really, that's how scary this disease is, y'all. Yeah. Um, but she is just an amazing human through and through. Um, and in the Denver scene, when I lived in Denver, I, I went to high school with Lithia Morose, who was a pretty well-known drag queen now. Um, and I mean, in high school, I could, I, I would have, it didn't surprise me when I found out she, she, she does drag. Um, mm-hmm. but also I was like, dang girl, like, how'd you learn how to do makeup? <laughs> I want to learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think like, I can only imagine what it was like for them to like when they started out to like because there's mm-hmm. people in my community in San Diego like Miriam T who like is just so big like that's like she's she's like the queen and uh and she's always the one that's like headlining or you know emceeing or whatever mm-hmm. um and, and 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 other queens too there's other local queens that I love Raina Shine she's amazing um she she I shared her Kim she did a Kim Petrus video and I shared it because I liked it um, and some others, but overall, I just think like, yeah, it's intimidating. Like 
for me as a, as a fan, it was intimidating because um, I moved and I went from knowing my drag scene of like Evie Oddly and Lithia Morose and like some other queens that were in the system to mm-hmm. moving to San Diego where the LGBTQ community was so much bigger. There were way more bars. They're all owned by a conglomerate called Moe's. And, um, mm. and there's a thing called Lips that's like just dedicated to drag. I've heard of Lips. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been closed. I don't know when, if they're gonna reopen, but I think they might be closed for good. Don't quote me. Mm. Sorry, don't come at me, people. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> I, but I know that all of the regulations, they, they, they can't really operate. Right. in a way that would make money um unless they did if unless they turned their parking lot into a, like a drag show i don't know what they're mm. gonna do but I think yeah that, that would take you know the the boston drag scene is tough because there aren't a lot of stages to get on there are only a couple of clubs that really still exist anymore where queens have venues to perform in like one of the last few gay clubs uh, machine has been closing forever and I think they finally officially closed during the pandemic and now there's Jacques and there is an amazing uh, inclusive queer friendly space uh, in a monthly night called Don't Ask Don't Tell mm-hmm. that had to go on hiatus with the pandemic and they lost their original venue in I think Alton maybe it was Brighton uh, around Boston those are uh, neighborhoods in Boston but they found another venue that they were thinking of going to, but who knows what happens now. And that right. might mean after the pandemic, there's really only one place to go and perform drag routinely, which is Jacques. Yeah. And they cater to sort of a typical drag scene and there's no space for like weird queer folks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if mm-hmm. there's a space for me. So right. it's, it's interesting to sort of track what I plan to do with my own drag locally when the pandemic is over, because I do have ambitions, yeah. but I also am unsure how to align the reality with my own ambitions. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. And it's, it's like, it's tough too, because like, I think right now you're, you're working on this brand, like you are going mm. to be brand and you're thinking about like, okay, what is my, what's, what is my, what is my drag queen brand? and how am I presenting myself, right? Yeah. Um, and then, and then you know, that's imposter syndrome right then and there, feeling like, is there a seat for me at the table? Like, am I allowed to be here? Should I be able to right. do it? First of all, you're a fucking queen, so yes, you are allowed to be here. <laughs> Second of all, I could never, so I'm, I hats off to you, and, and you, I, I, I could just feel it in my bones that you're absolutely a performer, and so um, I really hope that when things do turn around and maybe it's a different new normal, that um, you do have the courage to get up on that stage and, you know, work for them dollars. <laughs> you know, I have actually, because you talked about sort of building a brand and I, I'm not particularly intense about it, but one thing I did relatively recently is I've run a little experiment in the last month. And when I post things in social media, I have chosen to use keywords that project more confidence and even sometimes literally just putting the word confidence in a post. Mm -hmm. And what I have found is that I get more likes when I am unapologetically confident than when I'm just putting something out there. So regardless of how I feel about my own drag, and I do feel good about it, uh, the more confidence I project, the more positive responses I get. So it just goes to show in a lot of ways that perhaps uh, being confident and feeling confident are not always the same thing. And the important part is that that confidence is shown, even if you don't always feel it. And it helps one to really put that out there. And I think, let that confidence fantasy be the reality. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting that you say that. Cause like the marketer in me, the digital marketer in me is like, Ooh, that's interesting. I'd like to know your findings. Um, but I, I think like, that's really cool. Um, and, uh, I've been to- for me personally, I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a performer or anything like that, but for me personally, I've stopped using, I use hashtags if I'm trying to like, so for instance, I took a photo of my new tattoo and mm-hmm. I used hashtags so that my tattoo artist could get more business through it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, but in general, I don't use 
hashtags anymore. Do I get, I get a lower like count, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also found that like when I'm just being authentic or I'm just like projecting that confidence in my relationship or in my dog or in whatever I'm doing, people like seem to like it more. Um, and I agree with you. It's, it's almost like this, like authenticity, even if it's like a facade, even if that's not really how you're feeling that day. Um, I think it goes back to like, kind of like we show what we, what we show and like, what is the reality? What is the truth? Um, and another thing, uh, when I find creative people who put stuff out there that I really like, and they talk about their own experiences with their media, I, try to pay attention. And one thing I have found is in one podcast I really love, one of the people who speaks on it uh, said that he stopped apologizing for his content and implying that he thought the quality wasn't as good as he wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, because someone gave him feedback on the side uh, at some point. And I've paid attention to creators who I like who end up apologizing for their work and what I found is one in particular who was pretty bad about apologizing for the really cool stuff she was doing, at some point she stopped. And I noticed that not only was her content more enjoyable because she was focused more on just putting information in it rather than editorializing about her own self-reflection, mm-hmm. but her content actually got better because she stopped worrying about apologizing for her media and just put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I was afraid to do with my podcast at first, because mm-hmm. I, I made a, po- a podcast about imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah, you bet I have it. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I thought, you know, if I publish it, like losing my job, starting this podcast, all that, if I, if I publish it and maybe mm-hmm. one person list, listens to it, that's great. And I think like the, the person you're referring to, I think I apologized a lot more and was a lot more like, oh, please like it. But if you don't, like, I get it. Cause like, fuck me, right? Like. I think right. I was, I would think I was more quick to self-deprecate on myself. And I make jokes and quips. Like I'll say like, you know, if my dog's squeaking a squeaky toy, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll joke to my guests, be like, Hey, right. like it's, we're, we're low budget here. Like, you know, we don't have a sound studio. So sorry. Like you're going to hear this. And, and I, and I, I kind of break that fourth wall to kind of be like, yeah, I'm still human. Like this might sound professional, but I, I literally don't know what I'm doing and I'm not going to apologize for it because I have listeners, I have subscribers and I'm talking to really cool people. And I think like once I stopped begging people to be my, I don't, I don't chase people being on my podcast anymore. I ask if you say no, I go, okay, well, bummer. Like you seem cool. Um, but I, I think like not apologizing is something that is, or apologizing in general is something that women do, men do. I mean, I, I, I'm so ingrained in apologizing for things. And that's something I've been working on in therapy is like, I don't have to apologize for being myself and I don't have to apologize for what I put out there. And if you don't mm-hmm. like it, sorry, then you're not my people. Like, and, and, you know, I've had some pretty hard imposter syndrome lessons, mm-hmm. especially in the last couple of years that really raked me through the coals. But what I have found mm-hmm. is that everyone is an imposter. Yes. And if everyone is an imposter, then no one has to feel bad about it. Right. And if everyone has flaws and is imperfect in the things they are doing, but they can still be successful, then anyone can. And whether you feel bad about the media you're putting out there or not, apologizing to your audience isn't going to fix it. What fixes it is having enough self-reflection to do better next time. Exactly. Exactly. And, and when I started this out, um, I'm going to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I, you know, I'd produced a podcast before I was a radio mm-hmm. DJ. So I had like the bare bones of what I'm doing. Um, and uh, I, I sent my first episode with it, which is with my tattoo artist, Christina, to my friend who's a radio DJ and also a podcast host. And she gave me the best feedback I've ever gotten, which was basically, mm-hmm. I don't feel like you're able to relate your um, you're not really able to relate your, your, what you're saying to your audience because not everyone's going to be from San Diego. Not everyone's going to be from Denver. Right. Try to remember that you want to humanize um, things. So, so now I say things and I qualify things with it. So for my listeners, if you're not from the, here, I try to find an example to make it make sense. 
or to um, you know explain what we're talking about so that people don't feel left behind because not everyone watches RuPaul's Drag Race you know not of everyone course, plays yeah. drag bingo so if you know it'd be it'd be one thing you know it would that it's almost like she gave me feedback that's like hey like just because you have familiarity with this person in this place don't forget that your listeners don't have that same familiarity and it was honestly the one, it was one of the best pieces of advice I've been given. And two, I take that mindfulness into my every conversation and I try to keep them on track because I love to talk. I have ADD and I will, mm -hmm. I will go in a thousand different tangents and, um, you know, thankfully I'm on medication for it. Also, thankfully I have my intake sheet, which I didn't actually <laughs> apparently send you. Um, but I, I'm just this, I can do this in my sleep now. Um, and it, 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 you know, that's just, it takes repeated practice to yeah. always kind of keep going you know what is universal though insecurity yes everyone gets that <laughs> yes yes uh and i'm you know there's so many things i'm insecure about and then i like take a step back and i'm like well why <sighs> like who cares like especially in this pan in this you know pepperoni pizza it's like no <laughs> one cares no one sees me no, doesn't matter like why why am i still so insecure about stupid stuff and so I'm, i've been trying to work on it too well no one knows your flaws better than you, right? Right. And people who are self-reflective recognize their own flaws. And sometimes we all assume, or sometimes anyone can assume that if we see our own flaws, everyone else sees them. So the person we recognize as us on the inside can sometimes seem to ourselves much much less strong than the person people see on the outside. Right. And it's important to be able to reflect on the fact that maybe on the inside, your internal monologue is going a mile a minute because you're not quite sure of how to answer a question or you're not sure of what the outcome of a, a critical decision might be or whether or not your performance is going to be all right. But nine times out of 10, everyone just sort of assumes at the worst that it was okay right? Yeah. So what we often apply as catastrophic failures to our own internal self are often just okay outcomes for other people. And I think that's where a lot of that anxiety and stress that really is imposter syndrome come from, yeah. is that that delta between the other that other people, the us that other people see, and the us that we see. Right, right. That makes total sense. And I, I, I definitely agree. Um, but I think we are kind of like touching on this a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, what does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? <sighs> There's a, there are a lot of definitions of success. I would say success to me looks like living in a high castle on a cliff with a large armchair, reading a book before a fire. But um, realistic goals, success, I think is stability and confidence in what I've done. Yeah. I think success to me means that I can take a look back and be all right with my choices and look forward and be confident in the stability of my future because I've made the right choices. That's what success is to me. And it's not a quantifiable thing necessarily. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a qualitative look on both my past and future oh i love that that's like so insightful and sweet and, and it makes it makes a lot of sense i mean i always um i don't set new year's resolutions i set intentions and mm -hmm. i always just my goal is to always just be a good person you know and like do good oops. be good and you know do well oh oops <laughs> oh, <laughs> i'm such a jerk no i'm just kidding um but i you know i really try to um you know learn and be as you know I, I try to walk a mile in people's shoes as much as I can. Mm. Um, and uh, success to me is similar to you is just like, you know, waking up and feeling like confident in the things I've done and being able to look at those things and be proud, but then also to look into the future and be, be able to move forward with what I've learned in the past. I think if you don't learn from your mistakes, I think if you don't learn from, you know, failures and successes and this, that, and the other, I think like, you know, you're never really going to grow. Yeah. Change is uncomfortable. And that's why, you know, change happens under extreme pressure. I mean, 
you know, my husband all the time is telling me, he's like, oh gosh, like I, you know, you're just, you're crushing it. You're, 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 you're holding down the fort back there. And it's, and it's easy for me to tell myself like, oh, well, I'm not really doing that much. But then I think about it and I'm like, well, I actually am because I'm mm. literally doing so much all of the time, even though I might not have a nine to five job, I'm, 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 I have the weight of this entire household on my shoulders because I'm yeah. the one on the shore. So, um, so I'm, I'm trying to be, I think success to, for me now is going to look like me just being a lot kinder to myself because I'm a kind Good. person, but just being kinder to myself is like something I'm really trying to work on. <sighs> yeah, it, it is easiest to be cruel to ourselves, I think. It's a lot easier to be kind to other people. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I, I need to be selfish for me now. Not selfish, mm -hmm. like as I'm a selfish person, but like a little more selfish with how I treat myself in terms of like, you know, just, just treating myself better. I think maybe that's yeah. my intention this year. It's, it's always be a good person, but I think this, this year it's like, hi, be nice to you because you're pretty cool. <laughs> that's a good one. I, for me, success is so hard to define. Right. I, partly because I'm just never going to be satisfied with a number. Mm -hmm because no number is ever going to be enough. Right. So for me, it's about finding or at least achieving some sense of stability and satisfaction that I can be comfortable with. Yeah. And the trouble with me is that I'll probably never be comfortable, but I can always try. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think like, that's actually a really good way to look at it. It's like stability and comfort like that. Those are things that, you know, are, are relieving. Cause right now I think about it and I'm like, uncomfortable with like some stuff I'm comfortable with others but mm. overall just a general sense of balance and comfort I think is just a really good goal to like obtain and want and strive for and it's it's a lot less um frustrating depressing and diminishing than mm. just focusing on a number yeah because like success really just cannot be quantified now, even even when you want to assign a number like what does that even mean it a number without context and qualitative value or quantitative qualitative value, sorry, is absolutely meaningless because a number is just a number. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think we've touched on, you know, of course, what this podcast is about, which is imposter syndrome. So I think we can say sashay away to the elephant in the room and move on mm -hmm. to, you know, things that we're fanatical about and unpopular opinions. Um, so, uh, we're going to start with things we're fanatical about. Uh, what are what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? I'm going to go just because I'm pretty fanatical about this tattoo I just got. Yes. Um, and uh, I've been thinking about it for over a year. My tattoo artist, Christina, she's the first guest I ever had on my podcast. Um, you can listen to it. Uh, it's it's available wherever you get your pods, wherever you're listening. Um, and I got a uh, watercolor Elvis um, stitch uh, because I got married by an Elvis and my husband's deployed and we just celebrated four years of dating. And three years of uh, uh, three years the anniversary of our, our wedding celebration, but we've been married for um, three years, going on four years. Um, so it's kind of confusing, but we like we like a celebration. Um, and those dates make us happy. Like they're you know my life was forever changed meeting my husband. And on the anniversary on, on our first date, I told him I want to be married by an Elvis. It's non negotiable. Just <laughs> threw it out there, confident <laughs> as hell. I threw it out there because I had a feeling that he was the one, and he said. That's amazing. I want to do it. And sure enough, a year later, that's what we did. And, you know, we didn't get jumpsuit Elvis. We wanted, we got cocaine on clip show pants Elvis, but even so, um, it was still probably the, the, it was funny. It was hilarious. And it didn't matter because we, we were already actually legally married. So it didn't matter that Elvis like skipped over our vows, made Scott put like these stupid Elvis glasses on my face that cut me a little bit. Um, cause he, and cause he, and he like pulled out my hair also while doing it. Oh, that's messy. Um, and like, didn't, yeah, it didn't, he didn't like, um, he didn't, he didn't sing the songs we requested. He sang Teddy Bear. I never heard the song Teddy Bear before, mm -hmm. um, but we went with it and he kept like handing over the mic and he'd be like, he'd be like, Teddy Bear. And then like, there's a repeat chorus of Teddy Bear. And we didn't know that because we never heard it. He's like, so like he would hand over the microphone and Scott would go, uh, I guess Teddy Bear. <laughs> <laughs> and it was over and done in 10 minutes and it was really great so um uh it, it it was um my cheesy wedding that i wanted to do and so anyway lilo and stitch is important to my husband and i because um he makes the stitch voice it drives me crazy um but uh the line from lilo and stitch that's very important to us is ohana means family 
family means no one gets left behind. And that is our motto uh, for us as a couple, for us as a family. Um, and we are moving to Hawaii. So there's that symbolism too. And then he's mm-hmm. holding a ukulele and my husband's currently learning how to play the ukulele on his deployment. Excellent. Yeah. So anyway, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? I'm absolutely fanatical about my drag. There's just so much about doing drag that I love. One of course is that like drag gives me a certain level of confidence that I can just choose to have. It lets me be a bigger, crazier, more exciting version of myself that uh, I am super excited to put so much effort and thought and and heart into every week. In addition to that, I think I'm fanatical about learning. I get super excited to find a new and engaging topic and just dig myself into it to really understand a concept more deeply and just go crazy learning about it. I once spent six months obsessing over beekeeping. (laughs) I love that. Uh, in order to really learn about not only the art of beekeeping, but the science behind it and how to engage with it if and when I eventually want to have hives of my own. We just don't live in a place where I can have them. Um, I get really, really excited about, I'm a huge nerd and I get super excited about tabletop games, uh, D&D, Pathfinder, uh, Index Card RPG. I love the ability to tell a story with a group of people and get really excited about this world that you craft together in a way that is meaningful to you but no one else really knows about yeah and those are some things that really get my juices flowing right like I just get super excited about being able to have this kind of creative output where I can really be a better or more exciting version of myself and really challenge my brain in a way that I wouldn't otherwise find. And that's why I get super passionate about learning or doing drag or gaming, because those things to me are super meaningful ways to activate my brain and interact with other humans. Yeah. And I think that's like so important, like to, to be able to have those outlets like outside of the corporate world because sometimes corporate world just mm. like it's, it, it chews you up and spits you out and it's oh yeah it's not you know it, it, like I don't know what other people do but creative outlets for me have always been like my safe space and like the things I the things I do or the the way I like you know for me I'm I love to write um I love I love art um I guess I now like my cricket Mm -hmm. Um, but you know I'm just I'm trying to like outlet in as many creative ways as possible similar to you so I love that and I think that's amazing and awesome and also um I always uh I I always zoom with Kara when Jeremy plays D&D because she's bored she has no (laughs) idea what's going on there and she'll he'll explain it but but we just we zoom during it um so we zoom every other week because uh they play every other week on a Tuesday and um so I help her get through that (laughs) but I that's my husband's funny. always saying he wants to start a D&D game and then like it's just kind of like one of those memes where it's like a group of adults say they want to play D&D but then it never happens. And they all drink and pass out. Right. See, I play D&D at least twice a week wow. or some variation right some other tabletop yeah. RPG. I'm actually really excited so this will come out after but next week I'm going to be doing a live stream of a new RPG game that's coming out. I I recently joined a community of like nerds on discord that are really awesome. And uh, I'm at least participating in this Twitch channel to broadcast a first play of this game, which I'm really excited about. And I hope I get to continue with that because that's an outlet for my creativity. And it lets me combine my, my, all of my passionate obsessions. I'll be doing this in drag as juicy and I'll be playing games with people online with an audience. And Ooh. I'm really, really excited about that. And I hope I get to do more with them. That's exciting. Oh, I love yeah. that. Okay. You have to like, um, outside of this, email me the link. I'm curious. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll move on to unpopular opinions. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I, I always say, as long as you're in popular opinion, um, 
doesn't hurt others, e.g. homophobic, racist, um, hurtful. <laughs> um, it's cool with me. Um, I usually use the example that I think cantaloupe is trash. It's a filler fruit. Um, so what is one or a few, <laughs> few unpopular opinions you have? <sighs> hmm, unpopular opinions. Uh, I, I, I'm sure I have plenty. Uh, I think Disney is overrated. You bitch. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know that hurt you, but too bad. It actually hurt um, my, it hurt my tattoo thing. So I'm just kidding. I know. No, uh, just that I, I do enjoy and appreciate Disney. And I have been with my family actually in the last couple of years to uh, Disney world, but there's something about that hyper artificial crafted experience that rubs me the wrong way in a lot of ways. <laughs> I get what you're saying. It, it's, it's all super fun and it's good in small doses but extended stays are exhausting. Um, other unpopular opinions. Ooh, this is so exciting. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have, I, you just made me think of one of my own. Oh, what's one of yours? Okay, um, dear annual pass holders, do not recite the Haunted Mansion's freaking monologue word for word. We don't need to hear it. No, but the Haunted Mansion is awesome and I understand. And I love the Haunted Mansion so okay, much. Yeah. But I mean, like, don't, don't recite it. Like, it might be someone's first time at Disney. Like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. I love kimchi, which is an unpopular opinion in the U.S. <laughs> but, I love kimchi. Kimchi's uh, good. I, I know many, many people who, who are less than thrilled about it, including my own partner who refuses my kimchi kisses. Um, but uh, kimchi is fantastic, and I will throw it at everyone if I could. Kimchi is such a good gut balance. It's, it's such a good probiotic. I mean, so I, I personally, I have nothing bad to say about kimchi because I also like kombucha and I feel like those are very mm -hmm. similar kind of things. Um, I love a pickle. I love a fermentation. I, I love, you know, I love, I love that kind of stuff. And I've had, I, I, did, I did have to ask, I have a friend that actually, um, so um, Jilly Lagasse uh, is a friend of a friend, um, mm -hmm. uh, Emily Lagasse. She actually owns a kimchi company. And, oh, okay. Uh, it's something because her husband is, I, I believe he's Korean and, and they have, a, they, she makes kimchi. Um, but anyway, I, I had to ask her because I was like, hey, I'm going through my fridge. Like I have had this kimchi. It's gone. Like, it's been, it's been through three moves. Like it's been through, like we bought it in a hotel and then it was in my apartment. And then it was now, it's now in my it's house fine. and it's now been two years. I just wanted, I said, I said, I don't know. Does it expire? Like I, I looked online. I couldn't figure it out. She goes, no, it just keeps getting it just gets better, better with age. It really does. So uh, I, I have a that? Korean aunt, which is how I was exposed to Korean food early on, including kimchi. Um, and I make my own kimchi. Yeah, it just, it's good forever. It just gets more sour. And then it's great for kimchi jjigae, which is yeah. a, a spicy, sour Korean kimchi stew. Oh, I love that. Yes. Okay. No, I have, I have nothing bad to say about kimchi. And I'm sorry to my listeners, if you don't like it, <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. Too bad. Too bad. You're wrong. 100% <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, um, there's like, there's very few things I don't like, um, to eat. Uh, but honestly, like I, I I'm the kind of under the camp that like try something once and if you don't like it, then, then fine. Or maybe it was prepared wrong. So I always, I always try to give, you know, things like, you know, a, a three, a three strike rule. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if I decide I really don't like it, then I move on. But I, kimchi, I love, I love, I love Korean barbecue. I miss it. There's a place in Hawaii that if you ever come visit me, I will take you to, it's called uh, Sik the Rack. And uh, it's all you can eat 24 hour barbecue. In Hawaii, you, and sorry, in Hawaii, you can only, or sorry, you can operate for tw 23 hours a day for cleaning for one hour and then reopen. I believe that's bars, but I think restaurants do the same. And so mm -hmm. that one hour a day is just to restock meats. Um, right. But uh, you know, all of the, um, all of the banchan that come with it are really good. And, uh, I, I miss Korean barbecue so much. I, I actually make a lot of Korean food in Ooh. general. Actually, last night for dinner, I made jjajang bap. Uh, and Yum. yeah, I make uh, bokum all the time. I oh, love Korean food. Yes. Or uh, japchae. I haven't made japchae in a while. Yeah, I, I wish I, I wish that I was closer. I'd be like, make me something. <laughs> I know. It's hard to cook for myself right now. I, I did make food this week. I'm proud of myself. Mm -hmm. I, cooked, I cooked pretty much every day this week. I'm very proud of myself. I'm going to cook tonight. I don't know. Ooh, I have another unpopular opinion. Mm, what is it? I think drag race is not good for drag as an art form, actually. And I think that because there's such 
a homogenization of drag representation that gets channeled through and out of drag race right that a lot of the sort of more not more artful but i would say varied forms of drag that exist out in the world do not get showcased in a way that i think hurts the overall global art of drag but also i think is not great for the queer community in general because it limits this sort of one point of view perspective on what it is to be queer or what it is to represent yourself as queer and i i wish there were more variation and i think that's why some shows have popped up that attempt to contradict it like dragula right but yeah. that's that's a very narrow slice of the of another end of the multi-varied spectrums of queerness yeah and i think we don't get a really good holistic representation for queer folk and like gender non-binary folk in a way that i wish yeah. were there and i think you can see that in drag race uk where drag race it, self has not had a huge impact on drag in the same way it has in the US. Right. So the queens who go through Drag Race UK have far more varied tastes and aesthetics. And there are much more prominent, actively non-binary queens like Jenny Lemon, who of course gave RuPaul a big FU last week, <laughs> or Bimini Bambulash and other queens who are far more outside of that binary gender representation drag yeah. that I wish we got more showcasing of. Yeah, and that's the we're thing. We're missing really yeah. cool people. Well, that's the thing. It's like, because it's because RuPaul's is so, it's so mainstream, of course, we're only seeing a stereotype. Um, in a lot of in ways, a lot yeah. of In a lot of ways, yeah. So I agree with you. And then also I feel like um, a lot of people aren't, don't, the average person isn't venturing to go see a drag show isn't going right. to drag con like I did, uh, isn't, um, or, or isn't going to their local, you know, you know, um, I like to, I, when I think of a gay bar or a LGBTQ bar, I think of a community bar. So to, to go to their local community watering hole and seeing these artists perform. Um, and um, for me, it's never been what, what your gender is or what you identify as. I, to me, you're a queen um, yeah. and uh, whatever you tend to project is beautiful. And so I agree with you. Like if you don't ever go to like a, a basically an open mic night or a, um, you know, just a random like talent night. Like you, you really won't ever see that there's just such a variation. My friend, Lithia Morose, who I brought up, um, she is uh, a goth, got like goth is her thing. Mm, it's very like it's yeah. Evanescence kind of Amy thing. Um, and that's always been her thing. Like even in high school, uh, that was super what she was into, like totally 100%. So, um, so for her, like that's her branding and that's what she does. And so that's just a slice of, like you said, there's so many slices. It's just like being queer. There's just no definition. There's every, like, there's just no way to, you, we can't, I guess my unpopular opinion is you, we can't put people in a box and we should not, and no. a stereotype is not a representation of all the queer community. Yeah, um, and labels, yeah. labels for everything are helpful to the people who need them. Right. I think labels make it very easy for like cis gender normative folks who are not queer who to like put and uh, put queer people in specific boxes and in a mm -hmm. lot of ways otherize them in this sort of neat like square peg in the square hole, round peg right. in the round hole like, right. sort of ideal. And the trouble there is no one no one is an exact square fit for an exact square hole right and right. that i think i think labels can oversimplify everyone's experience with their own identity and sexuality in a way that takes away a lot of like beautiful nuance in all of our experiences and can prohibit individuals from ever fully realizing the full spectrum of their own identity yeah and that's a shame. And that's why things like Drag Race, which homogenize the art form and organize presentation into a binary are, I think, less than ideal for yeah. the queer community as a whole. Although the visibility of course is helpful. And, you know, RuPaul who may have, you know, these very sort of narrow visions of what it is to be queer and do drag at the same time has paved the way forward and made queer communities more visible 
And there's, you know, oodles and oodles of respect I have for that and always will. I just, I just wish there were a broader scope for what gets considered drag by the broader, larger audience. Yeah, and it's 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 good to keep in mind too, you know, like as this is your reality, you're living through it. Me as an ally, I live through it every day with my friends and mm -hmm. how in the things that I care about and support and the people in my community. The average person, like they're just they're just waking up. Unfortunately, they're waking up yeah. in a lot of ways for so much equality and human equality. Um, you know, whether it be Black Lives Matter, whether it be um, this new um, this this new thing that's coming to light, which we all know and and know about, which is the Asian community being discriminated against, having violence mm -hmm. against them. It's like, and and you know, we've got you know children in cages. Like I, I could go on and on and on. People are just unfortunately waking up in a lot of ways, and sadly, that pushes communities back a little bit and they have to catch up. So um, to my yeah. listeners, you know, educate yourself, um, you know, try and be the best person you can be, try and understand, try not to speak without doing your research and try and be supportive if you're an ally, because, you know, uh, there's just so many stories, there's so many layers. Um, and that's what I think makes me love the, the LGBTQIA plus community because um, I never fit in as a kid. And even though I myself don't identify as queer, I always felt comfort in those people who were outcasts for being who they were because that was me even though I'm a straight woman mm -hmm. yeah so period <laughs> like that's uh that with is, a t with a t literally no but I appreciate that and I, I appreciate you bringing that up and I and I don't think it's unpopular in the slightest bit I get exactly what you're saying and it makes sense but um sometimes we lose ourselves in the fandom and forget like the damage that things can do while also bringing up the community. It's like, oh, it's like a weird balance and check. Yeah. 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 And it's in no way to like vilify like no, drivers, no, you're right? Not. Or, or sort of the lo very large number of people who pay attention to drag race and drag as a result of the show. It's just, I wish there were more, more nuance. Right. And I understand why for a lot of reasons there's a lack of nuance i just wish that it i just wish the show chose to be a little more aggressive at bringing nuance to the table yeah yeah i totally get it i totally get it um we are winding down so i have one more question before i go into mm -hmm. what you would like to promote um and this has been a great and amazing conversation and like it just makes me happy that you're a friend of mine and, and that you took the time to be on this podcast because i do think you have such a great perspective and and such a good insight um, but uh, let's talk about something happy. What's currently making you happy in the world? My baby Yoda, my fully life-size baby Yoda <laughs> yeah, that I have put that. in a hat with a veil and pearls because he deserves it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Does, does the baby Yoda a little bit look like E.T. or cuter? Um, I will say cuter because E.T. is terrifying, horrifying, and awful. And my baby Yoda <laughs> has eyelashes right now. So I think everybody's better for it. You got you got the one that's like the most realistic one, correct? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. I I had to. I couldn't not because my goal is a to be a crazy person in the real world and make a baby Bjorn for this doll, yes. and then wear it like it's my child, and then pretend like it's my child, like I envision Amy Sedaris might do. That woman is a national treasure. Yes. Um, so yeah, that, and I want to do like Mandalorian drag. I want to make myself a, a drag Mando suit with like armor boobs oh, yeah. and put this Yoda doll, this enormous, it's almost two foot Yoda doll in a Bjorn on my chest while I dance with a fake ray gun. I, I want that for me. I, I want that for you too. I love that journey for you. <laughs> no, I, but I actually, I would be th so here for it. Cause I'm actually pretty pinnacle, not pinnacle. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm part of the baby Yoda community. I don't know if you know mm. about this, but there's like Facebook groups for days that it's like a cult like Ooh. thing. And baby Yoda has gotten people through the pandemic. These dolls have like changed these people's lives. I have the doll with the no feet. Um, mm -hmm. His name is Guy after Guy Fieri. Cause why not? He's currently wearing my dog's stitch costume and he's, right. he has no so feet. He's, oh, so for me, he's not Grogu, he's Vogu. Yeah, he's just he's just kind of like he's kind of there. He's like a green bean, just like piddling around. Um, oh. But but I I might my husband thinks he's creepy, and I'm like, how dare you? But <laughs> oh, one hundred percent, this doll is creepy. But that is that is cute. science, madam. Cute, yes. And so, um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like this this 
this little this little green alien, this baby Yoda, Grogu, has given people so much joy in the pandemic. And so that makes me happy that it makes you happy. And I have to see this when you eventually do it, because I hope that you find the space in your busy schedule and make this happen because it's, um, I, it's everything I've ever wanted and more, and I have to see it. <laughs> you got it. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So uh, as we wind down, I always give my, my, um, my guests the ability to promote whatever they like to promote. So what would you like to promote? Okay. So you can always find me on my social meds. I'm <laughs> at Juicy Garland on Twitter and Juicy, is it Juicy.Garland on Instagram? If you just search Juicy Garland, you'll find I'll me. figure it out. I'll, I'll uh, link it. Uh, I am eager to get on a stage. If you're in the Boston area and you want to put me on a stage and watch me dance around like an idiot while I pretend to be a woman, I'm more than happy to accommodate. And um, at the moment, I am hoping to find myself a live cast TTRPG game that someone wants to put me on because I think I'd be great in front of an audience. And I'm going to prove that out this coming week, but I'm always looking for more opportunities. Yeah. So you can reach out to me on social media and we can talk. Yeah. And as always, my listeners, um, I'm going to link everything in the description. Um, Juicy is a delight. She's a lot of fun to talk to. She's a big personality, as you can tell by this interview. And, and I'm and, beautiful. Yeah, gorgeous. Stunning. Stunning. Um, I mean, she looks better in drag than I do as a woman in general. <laughs> I mean it to my heart. Uh, so, uh, of course, I, I so appreciate you coming on here and, and taking the time again. And, uh, you know, to my listeners, if you haven't yet, please buy tickets for Drag Bingo. See what the hype is all about. Again, we're not sponsored. Charlie sponsored me. Uh, we're not sponsored. But if we were, um, we would we would still be just as authentic talking about it. And you can get your tickets at HTTP. Dragqueen.bingo. That's, that's yes, what Yes, dragqueen.bingo so. is the URL. Yes. And uh, tickets are cheap there's seven dollars and it, it's awesome but uh juice i'm gonna let you have your your sewing evening um thank you so much again and i wonderful. will see you on sunday thank you for the chat this was so wonderful i'm really glad you're having me <laughs> all right talk to you later bye, bye. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use PDKMO to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter pdkmo at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday. Thank you.